going on ladies and gentlemen you've made it to on and off the field halfway through the xfl season and we are smack dab in the middle of my sickness as well unfortunately for all parties involved i am by myself we are derfless derf is off at work working a uh, second shift at the old warehouse got the uh got stuck on that so he's not here for this and i'm sick so i can't even split up the voices this is just where we're at and this is going to be a struggle for me but i am doing it for you so as i said welcome to on and off the field you can go to on and off the field.com where you can read all the blog posts we just posted the xfl blog today you can head there and listen to the podcast. There's links to all your different uh, favorite podcasting platforms where we are available, which is like all of them. And then you can also go to the RTF Sports Network, which the website is rtfsportsnetwork.com. If you go there, you can vote for your the show of the month. You can listen to all the other shows that are on the network, which there's a lot of great talent, a lot of great shows on there. And you can listen to On and Off the Field on Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a a great radio network. If you're ever just sick of the old regular talk shows, you're just tired of listening to Stephen A. Smith, you, you got a lot of great stuff here on the RTF Sports Network. And I'll just double down on uh, On and Off the Field where I'll let you know about our giveaway that we're doing. Still going on. Uh, the giveaway... Is going to be a threefold. Three names will be drawn randomly. Um, three names out of whoever goes through the steps of getting entered, which is following the show either on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, whichever one you're on, as long as you're following the show on any of them. And then once you do that, head over to onandoffthefield.com and send us an email from there on the contact us page. It's at the bottom of the home page um, there. You just send us an email that says, all hail the jockstrap king, and then include whatever else you want in there. And then also go to iTunes and just leave a review or rate the show, however you feel about it. You can be honest. Give it one star, five star, however you roll. Um, just those three easy steps, and you'll be entered to be one of the randomly drawn names. If your name is drawn first, you will get a nickname. Me and Durf will you know, kind of figure you out a little bit, see what you're into, and give you a nickname that'll forever live on the show. If you're the second name drawn, you'll get some autographed, whatever you want. One of the business cards that we got out, one of these new ones that are really snazzy. Blank piece of paper, t-shirt, whatever you want. It's your thing that you want autographed. And then if you're the third name drawn, we're going to give $50 to your favorite charity and or foundation. And uh, you can come on to the show and talk about that charity or foundation, whatever you want to do. We can talk about it for you, whatever it's going to be. Uh, just looking really forward to doing this, and it's going to be March 31st is the date that we have chosen. Tuesday, March 31st, we will do the drawing live on the show. Yeah, so we're going to get started with the show here in a minute. Uh, right before we jump into xfl week five if you follow on the social medias 
There's something I discovered recently. I don't think I talked about it last week on the show, but I know I've been talking about it all week. Um, I discovered Major League Rugby. I knew rugby was like in Australia and like a couple other countries here and there. Kind of knew that, but I didn't realize America had its own like real rugby league. I don't understand how I. I love rugby. I don't know how this slipped under the radar for me. I was just scrolling Instagram and I found this random page called the Seattle Sea Wolves. It's like, what the heck are the Seattle Sea Wolves? That is the major league rugby team. I was, I was in disbelief, and this is like a legit thing. This isn't like some made-up thing league that a bunch of nobodies play. I, I, this looks absolutely legit. Like they're very active on Instagram, Facebook, and all that. And I, I, th- I believe this has been going on for three years. This league, and just in 2020. They expanded. They added three teams, so they're up to 12 teams. And those 12 teams are, by uh, conference, you got the Western Conference, which consists of the Austin Gilgroins, which are located in Austin, Texas, the Colorado Raptors, who are in Glendale, Colorado, Houston Sabercats, which is in Houston, Texas, obviously, San Diego Legion, which is San Diego, California, the Seattle Sea Wolves, which is in Tuckwilla, Washington, and the Utah Warriors, who are in Herman, Herman, Utah. If anyone from Utah watches the show and you live in Herman, you can let me know how you actually pronounce it. In the Eastern Conference, we have the New England Free Jacks, whatever a free jack is, in Weymouth, Massachusetts, the New Orleans Gold, which is in, oh boy, Mediari, Louisiana. You got Old Glory, D.C. in Washington, D.C. Rugby United, New York. Yeah, that's in Brooklyn, New York. Rugby Atlanta, which is in Marietta, Georgia. And then the Toronto Arrows, which is our Canadian team in Toronto, Ontario. I, <laughs> I, I love it. They just finished up their week five, and I made actually made picks. If you're on social media, you saw my picks. And I went three for three. There were a couple upsets. Um, I, I, I'm not going to be able to predict upsets at this point. And this is the first week I've really been following it. There's only one undefeated team left. That's uh, the, the San Diego team, I believe. And they're 5-0. and oh. and Then you got uh, Toronto, uh, number two at 4-1. and one, And DC at 4-1. and one. And then you got the NOLA Gold at 3-2, and two, New York at 3-2, and two, Atlanta at 2-3, and three, Utah at 2-2-1, two, two and one, Colorado at 2-3, and three, New England at 1-4, and four, Seattle also at 1-4, and four, um, Houston at 1-4, and four, and then the Austin Gilgroins at 1-3-1. and one. So it's, it's interesting. I encourage you to get on the social media um, for on and off the field, so you can also be a part of the uh, National uh, Rugby League here, uh, and then I'll I'll be sure to at least try and keep up with it, along with the XFL, which just concluded Week Five this weekend. We're halfway through the season. This is we're flying through it, and it's I think it's going by so fast because it's so exciting. 
granted, there's a couple teams that you look at, like even in from week one to week five, you look at them and you go, man, it's not a, it's not a good team. And I think the numbers reflect that, whether it's TV or if it's in stadium. It's not as quite as true for Seattle, but Tampa Bay constantly has the lowest fan base. And if you look at the Buccaneers and now the Vipers, it just seems like a city that's struggling for football right now. Really kind of desperate for a decent team to kind of step out there and go above 500 at least. <laughs> that's not saying you got to make the playoffs, but at least go out there and give me some, give me a reason to pay money to watch this team play football. And Jameis Winston fixed his eyes, fixed his knee, and he posted a workout video today that if you have not seen it, <laughs> and it was in the comments too, they posted these videos of his workout regimen and everyone's like, why would you even post this? Yeah, this is just straight up meme material. He just looked like a goofball, like doing these weird bear crawls, crab walk. It was. It just looked. It just. It doesn't look like a football player either. He's just working out by himself. He just looks like a normal dude that doesn't know what he's doing at the gym. That's. That's what it looked like. So I made one of my first memes for it. That's on uh, social media. If you want to go check it out. But uh, that's kind of off the off track there. Just. Just making a point there because the uh, the uh, uh, the attendance at games this week was at an all time low which there might be a couple reasons for it, but the highest crowded stadium this week was D.C. And you can tell, that even if there was 15,000 fans there, 10,000 fans there, that place would seem full because the, the fans there are just amazing. They are, like, I think this is kind of the Tampa Bay scenario, but they take it a different direction. D.C. is so hungry for good football that they're going to show up even if this, this team sucks. They're going to show up and support this football team because it's any other team than the freaking Washington Redskins. Tampa Bay did not take that approach. They're like, Tampa Bay Buccaneers suck. The Vipers are probably going to suck, and they do. I'm just not going to show up and waste my time. So they got better things to do in Tampa Bay. It's always warm there. They're going to go to the beach. Oh, is it spring break or something right now, I think? They got plenty of other stuff to do. Washington, this time of year... They don't have uh, as as much to do. But it is starting to warm up, though. It's really nice up here in Rochester. It's a little windy and rainy today, but the temperature, it's beautiful. It was just snowing the other day, and now it's its clearing up. The rain kind of sucks, but that's thats a given. So back to the numbers. Um, this, this week was at one of its lowest. It was 64,246 showed up. And no teams got over 20,000. But D.C. was close, like somewhere in the 19,000, like 19.2, something like that. But uh, Tampa Bay has like around 12K for all their home games. And I think well, most of the fans show up for St. Louis and Seattle. Like, Seattle's just a big football city. Obviously, big Seahawks fans out there. So they're showing up at CenturyLink for um, the Dragons as well. And then St. Louis had their team stripped from them, so they're desperate for football. And they have them. They got, uh, they got the Battle Hawks. And week in and week out, the fans have showed up for those two teams. Both of them were on the road this week. And the numbers kind of took a hit for that. And I don't know if this is going to be the XFL's constant number right now, like 64 grand. Um, 
I would guess not. Maybe when it gets closer down the stretch, week 9, week 10, people fighting for playoff spots. Maybe when the playoffs come, maybe the number jumps back up a little bit. I, I, I don't know what their, what their projections are. I don't have week 5 TV numbers. Those normally come out like Wednesday, Thursday anyways. I tried looking for them, but yeah, they're, they're never out on Tuesday. If they do come out on Tuesday, um, it's after I've done my research already. So I do not have those, but for weeks one through four, the, the number just went down every week. It went down, you know, it was like three million for the first week, and then it just went way down and somewhere like the low two million, then mid like 1.5, and then week four was like 1.3, 1.2. So you obviously see a steady decline. It's just a matter of where it's going to even out. And if, if you look at the trend, you know, it was somewhere in the low twos, then 1.5, 1.2. Maybe it studies out at a million. Maybe it dips into the 900. You know, no one can predict where we're going to go with this. But I know I was watching and saw, like, some pretty decent football this weekend, in my opinion. I thought week five teams really kind of showed up. You know, except for the Renegades, I think every single team played pretty well. The Battlehawks scored six points, but I think they had their moments. Um, I, I mean, it was a low-scoring affair overall. I think both defenses played well in that, but we'll get to that point. And just just for ranking rankings, in the Eastern Division team, uh, one, two, and three top are all three and two. There's there's competition there in the West behind the Roughnecks teams two and three or two and three right now. There's only four teams making the playoffs, two top two on each side. I, I mean, it's it's causing a lot of competition, and there's still teams fighting. And at two and three, I mean, Seattle, <laughs> if Seattle catches a break and wins out, some magical thing happens, maybe they can sneak in. Like, I get, anything's possible right now in this league. I think that might keep some people watching as well. And if you saw that beer snake... That the DC fans made up, man, that's that's epic. I, I don't know how many beers that was. I don't even know how many how you get that many cups and that many people to participate, but that was that was quite impressive. Going to take our first break, then we're going to come back and get these game recaps started. All right, you're just hanging out with Dylan. Durf is not here, and on on and off the field. Alright, welcome back to On and Off the Field. It's just Dylan here. Durf had to work second shift because that that distribution life is a, is a is a tough one. I used to do it, don't do it anymore. Thank God. Durf is working his way out of it. I uh he's almost there. <laughs> so hopefully he'll be on regularly. I know he also has a vacation coming up, so get used to this voice, because I think you're at least going to hear it again at least one more time. Alrighty, so we're going to get some of these games rolling. So I went 3-1 and one in picks. You know, I, I want to tote it, I want to gloat it, but I went 1-3 and three last week. So kind of just evened myself out. Uh, I would have went 4-0, and oh, but the Battlehawks did not do their job. But we're going to lead off with the Seattle Dragons up against the Houston Roughnecks. Now, if you want to talk about a game where momentum matters and getting the fans involved, 
this was your game because that is exactly what happened and the dragons could not handle the crowd i'm kind of thinking this is going to become a small trend for seattle because this is this is trending for them it happened last week it happened this week strong first half makes you think they got hope and the offense patters out, and the defense to some degree patters out in the second half. B.J. Daniels was rolling. Two touchdown runs, and it, it, overall the offense was clicking. They were moving the ball, running game was going, B.J. was doing well passing the ball. It wasn't amazing, but the, the, the offense was making plays, and the defense was making plays. They got a forced fumble that they turned into a touchdown, and, and then, well, forced fumble at the offense turned into a touchdown. And then they got an interception. Uh, just to start off the second half, they took it down to the one-yard line, which ended up getting converted into another touchdown. And then things changed. P.J. Walker turned it around. He ended up throwing three touchdowns. Two of them went to Camp Phillips for 122 yards. So the MVP talk is obviously back for, for P.J. First half of the game... Man, he's turning looking like Cardale here, you know. Not a he's starting to turn around. Maybe the hype was getting to him. Yeah, second half, he absolutely lit it up, and he he threw a, another interception down the sideline. An amazing play by the Seattle defender, like reaching over the back of the guy, getting one foot down, barely, just controlling the ball. It was an amazing interception, and if ESPN puts it in their top ten. I would not be surprised. It was an it was an amazing play, um, but the Seattle Dragons get the ball back on offense and they go three and out. That's a momentum changer. You know, amazing play by your defense and you squander it. And that was pretty much Seattle's last four or five drives of the second half to end the game. It was like just barely over one minute drives that were three, four, five plays and they were punting or fumbling or something like that and then the old uh, everyone's already seen this the refs ended the game just a touch too early about two or three seconds so it's fourth fourth down and pj walker is running around and trying to end the play takes a knee with two seconds still on the clock and the clock's supposed to stop Turnover on downs. Seattle's down nine points, which is one possession in the XFL. And the refs kind of just leave. They, the, the clock runs down to zero, and the game's over. And everyone's just standing around like, what's going on? Um, the XFL did come out. The game did end. But the XFL came out mere hours later apologizing for the incident and saying that yeah, they the big boo boo. That was that was on us. That was uh big mistake, sorry. Which, you know, a lot of fans were like, Oh like before they came out with the apology, fans were like, Oh boy, here we go. Even the refs in the XFL suck. Big controversy. What are they gonna say? Because we're so used to something happening in the NFL with the refs and the NFL's just like, eh, like deal with it. Or they don't apologize, or they blame someone else. Or if there if there is an apology, it's yeah okay, yeah sorry about that. Whatever, who cares? Moving on. Like it's not a real apology. The XFL came out, they punished somebody, they apologized full heartedly, 
and the apology was great. I, I posted it on my social media, and I'm sure you've seen it if you're on following any sports pages, especially the XFL page. It was great, and they disciplined somebody. They reassigned them, whatever that means. Um, it was just, they took action. And this was mere hours after this occurred. It wasn't like a week later they had to take time and meet with a committee to discuss this. They're like, yo, that, that, was, that was bad. Like, issue something now, quick. It was amazing. And they took, it was, I mean, that, that earned a lot of respect, I think, because the fans immediately changed their tune. They were all disappointed and thinking, oh boy, here we go. But they come out with that apology hours, only, only hours after the game. And fans were like, look at that, owning up to the mistake. And they did a great job with the apology. I, I think, I think they saved their butts by apologizing and the NFL can, uh, Take a take a lesson here, you know. If you just own up to your mistakes, then that, that resonates with fans. We like it when you own up to it, and then punish somebody. NFC Championship game: Rams and Saints. You take that referee and crew, and you move them down to college level. You bring someone else up. Whoever missed that call, they get reassigned. But nah. Yep, unfortunate missed call. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. And now we're going to go have one of the more boring Super Bowls ever happened in the history of Super Bowls. But whatever the uh, the mistakes, all of that, the Dragons did lose to the Roughnecks to fall to 1-4. and four. Next up was the Guardians and the Renegades. And I pretty much called this one last week. I think Durf actually took the Renegades on this, but the Guardians completely dominated the Renegades. And if you want, one thing to take away is the coaching decisions here. So Hal, Mummy, and Landry Jones, Landry Jones didn't play at all, and Hal was up in the box because he broke his leg. So you put in your backup quarterback, Philip Nelson, and... You have him throw the ball 49 times. Your backup quarterback, where your offensive coordinator isn't even on the side of the field to look at games, to look at the tablet, to look at plays, to look at defenses. He has to like call up to the box to talk to him. It's a different feeling. If you really, really know anything about the QBOC connection, it helps to have the coordinator on the side of the field. I get why he's in the box. That's fine. I'm not blaming him for it. But you got to change the game plan. You can't have your backup go out there and throw the ball 49 times. It didn't work. And Kevin Gilbride, the OC for the Guardians, did a much, much better job. Kevin Gilbride has worked with Luis Perez perfectly. Granted, last week he didn't throw as many passes as this week, and it worked great. This week, he gave him a little bit more. He ended up throwing 30 passes, went 16 for 30, 229, touchdown and interception. He didn't win the game for the Guardians, but guess what? He didn't lose it either. That touchdown pass was a great touchdown pass too, both from him and the receiver. If you saw the play, like, juked the safety and just ran for it. Oh, it was a great deep ball. Really, really great play from a backup quarterback. And it's just two different coaching styles, and... Hal and Bob Stoops 
they they didn't handle it well. They wanted the backup to go out there and do what Landry Jones does. And maybe if that's your expectation for your backup quarterback, then fine. But he was not ready for it, and he struggled throughout the entire game, and they only scored 12 points. The New York Guardians, the defense absolutely ate him alive. Two interceptions, which one was a pick six. The other was a fat guy interception, which was awesome. Eight quarterback hits, three tackles for losses, and just endless pressure. He probably would have been sacked a million times if he wasn't a little bit mobile. I just think you really saw two different coaching styles. One with high expectations for the backup quarterback, and the other side, they eased Louise into it, and he's played two solid weeks of football. He hasn't played great football, but he hasn't lost the game for his team. He lets the rushing attack and the defense do it for him. And the Renegades, 14 rushing attempts. I get it. It's an air raid offense. But you gotta change it up when the circumstances change for your team. They didn't. They lost 30-12. to The Battlehawks went into D.C. And you take one thing away from this. If you're going to take one thing away from this game is betting advice. If DC is at home, you take them to win, favorite or not. If DC is on the road, you take the other team. It is completely two different teams, and still, yes, Cardale threw two passes, one to the ground and one to the other team, and then he was benched. And then Tyree Jackson came in here, and he played well. It was the same thing as Phil, um, not Phil, Luis Perez. He went 9-14 for 39 yards and a touchdown. He also ran the ball seven times for 32 yards. But guess what? He let the running game and the defense win for him. He just didn't lose it for his team. And that's all you want. The past two, well, weeks three and four, Cardell has been losing it for his team. Tyree came in. He's, you know, Cardell's struggling. He just came in here and did just enough to win. That's all you want your backup to do. Hal Mummy can and Bob Stoops can uh, can can learn a lesson here from uh, the DC Defenders and the New York Guardians. DC's running game was just off the charts this week. Jarrell Presley, 15 carries for 107 yards. They had 229 rushing yards as a team. The defense went out there, dominated the line of scrimmage. Seven QB hits, four sacks. And their four sacks where they were in his face immediately, in Jordan's face, though, the Jordan Tayamu. He had nowhere to go. Four sacks just hit. Like, unblocked guys. Seven tackles for losses. And the Battlehawks' offensive line was just dominated the entire game. And that is why the Battlehawks scored six points. Jordan, he did okay. 15 to 25 for 174 yards. You, you, what are you going to ask him to do when he has that much pressure in his face? Third down, they're 4 for 16. Fourth down, 0 for 2. When they're in the red zone, 0 for 3 scoring in the red zone. It, and it's the pressure. When you're in third and longs, fourth downs, when you're owning the line of scrimmage, it's easy to get your opponent not to convert those. You bring the pressure, and it's over. You, they can't run the ball in short downs. Because you're owning the line of scrimmage. The one bright spot the Battlehawks had was Matt Jones had 70 yards and Christine Michael had 69. 
it's it's good yardage. It, it wasn't enough to win. And I'm sure there were plenty of attempts where they're getting stuffed, getting dropped for losses. Again, for the seven tackles for losses. It, it was not a great week for the Battlehawks. It was a great week for the Defenders. Um, the Battlehawks also had two blocked punts. So it's not like... I mean, and the Defenders only scored 15 points with their backup. So the Battlehawks special teams and defense did pretty well as the offense could not get a single thing rolling. And I'm not going to come out here and say Jordan is like now a bad quarterback. I'm sure there are plenty of people that want to go out there and say that he's a bad quarterback now, can't handle pressure. This is the first time he's really faced a tough defense, maybe with the exception of like week one when they lost their first game. But he gets to play the Vipers next week. All right. I think I think this will be a good reset period. The Wildcats just got done dropping 41 on Tampa Bay. If Jordan, Matt Jones, Christine Michael... If they can all get back on the same page uh, for next week against the Vipers, them dudes will drop 50 on that team. I believe it is in Tampa Bay. So they're on the road again. Maybe we'll see if this is a trend, if they're bad on the road, just like the defenders were, and pretty much every other team bad on the road. But that'll be a a wait and see for week six. Going to take another break here. You're listening on and off the field with Dylan. We are derfless, but uh, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back with one more XFL game to talk about, and that was the Tampa Bay Vipers at the LA Wildcats. They, um, I know I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't a game featuring the Atlanta Falcons, because the Vipers blew a 24-6 to lead. They ended up losing 41-34. to Oh boy, that's, um... That's a tough one to swallow for Vipers fans, and I don't, I wouldn't blame, uh, wouldn't blame Tampa Bay Vipers fans for uh, maybe not showing up to their games next week, not tuning in on TV. That's a, it's a tough team to follow right now. They did score 34 points. They scored a lot of points last week. The defense is just, you thought the defense was good. I thought the defense was good. The defense was good through the first couple of weeks, but now that the offense is good, the defense has given up a million points. If they can learn to score a bunch and defense hold the other team to not 41, maybe this team has a decent chance of winning down the road. But it's it's I've seen no reason to believe in this team so far. That's just my fair opinion, I believe. But um, yeah, the Vipers blew a 24 to six lead. The the running game pretty much. Maybe with the exceptions of the first one, two weeks, the running game just caved. Devion Smith and Jacquez Patrick only combined for 92 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Normally, that's like one of them running for 92 yards and a touchdown. That was them together. Taylor Cornelius did have a good game, though. 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. 
but he threw two interceptions. And it's it's the story of why is Taylor Cornelius in there? Obviously, we're, we're kind of like looking down a Jameis Winston scenario here. Maybe a lot of yards. He can throw it in the tight circles. He can do a lot of things with the football, but maybe sometimes he's not seeing the field as well as he possibly could, and he's creating turnovers, which is not what you want your starting quarterback to do. And it's why people are still calling for, um, I believe his name is Quentin Flowers' name, the backup quarterback. He's been in there a couple times, and maybe maybe we're still waiting on that for uh, Tampa Bay fans. If this team was able to figure out how to have a good offense and a good defense on the field at the same time, I, I would say this team is dangerous. But they haven't shown they've been able to do it yet. And these Wildcats... I, I will tote and gloat this one, baby. I've been saying the Wildcats are good for a while. Man, I love my Wildcats. I did stick with them to win. Even though Nelson Spruce was out, I had a feeling. And when they were down 24-6, I, I was like, man, I should have just stuck with my gut for the Vipers. But, hey, stuck with my cats. They're not my cats. I'm a Seattle fan. But I just love this team's swagger. Even without Nelson Spruce... Josh Johnson still went off for four touchdowns, 288 yards, four touchdowns. And they were impressive touchdown passes, too. The trio of Trey McBride, Saeed Blacknall, and Jordan Smallwood came alive. And these are people that Jordan Smallwood, I honestly didn't know who that was. But Trey McBride, solid. Saeed Blacknall, I wrote about before the season even started. I said, this guy is going to be solid, at least the number two. If he dropped a number three, I would get it. I would understand it. But he came alive in this game with his three catches for 78 78 yards and a touchdown. He had seven targets. So, you know, down the he had only had one catch the week before. Now he's up to three. Hey, if you keep this trend going, maybe next week that three catches turns into six catches. You know, something like that. This team's evolving. And they're going to get Nelson Spruce back eventually. Can you imagine Nelson... Trey McBride, Saeed, and Jordan Smallwood. Come on now. that If you want an air raid offense, Hal Mummy should come over to the Wildcats. This, de- this team is ready to roll over anyone. My issue, the run game was non-existent. And maybe that was just their plan this week. But <laughs> Josh Johnson was the leading rusher with 19 yards. That's, um, it's not great. It's not great. And the defense did start out very slow. They obviously finished strong, but still let up 34 points. That's uh, that's not what I would want out of my defense. But if you got an offense that can drop 41, you know you got some uh, you got some wiggle room there for your defense to be able to give up a couple points. If I had some more faith in the Wildcats running game, because as soon as you take away the passing game, if a team that has the ability to shut down a passing game comes out here like DC did to the Battlehawks. Like I could see the Wildcats. They have nothing to lean back on. And that's why when we talk about my power rankings, that's why they're still middle of the road. But now, it's got to gloat it. Got to tote it, got to gloat it. All you dummies out there. Yeah, all the professionals. 
all the pro power ranking people that get paid to write articles about XFL teams and ooh, I am so smart. Look at my power rankings. Yeah. Y'all messed up big time. Cuz some of y'all some of y'all dropped the defenders to number 8. Some of y'all put the vipers at number 4 last week because because the defenders played bad for one week. Granted, it was two weeks, but they started so strong, and you're going to drop them all the way to eight? The Vipers win one game, and you go up to four? Huh? It Just so many questions. And then everyone out there is still hating on the Wildcats. Why? They have shown that they can win. I think... They're not a great all-around team, but some teams, some power rankings had them at like seven, like six is okay. But show them some love, man. If you if you know anything about me, I hate power rankings. I only do them for the XFL because it's easy. There's eight teams instead of like 32 for the NFL. I'm not going to make power rankings for 32 teams. I mean, I don't get paid enough to do that yet. You know, you hand me a couple bucks here and there, you know, I'll make you some power rankings. I don't know how good they'll be, but they'll be better than the professionals because the professionals overreact to things. So, if you want my power rankings, which are a little bit more fair, a little bit more accurate, here you go. Roughnecks number one. I took them out of the one spot last week because I liked what the Battlehawks were doing, but the Battlehawks played themselves back into the number two spot. See, I would guess that a lot of other teams or other um, people predicting would push them down to four, maybe three, if they're generous, because they lost one game. Yeah, no, not me. They're still a good team. They're still a great team. They're going to stay at number two. My number three, the Guardians. The Guardians have a solid quarterback who is playing almost mistake-free football. That's all you want. And then they have a good running game and a great defense. I started with them at my number one spot, and I regretted it a little bit in the middle, but now that McGloin is out and the defense is revitalized, they're working their way back up. They're number three. The defenders? I originally had the defenders at number three, but then I realized, man, I don't think Tyree is a long-term answer, though. Granted, the, the, off, the running game was great. The defense was great. But do you need a decent quarterback? And if Cardale is going to throw an interception every other pass he throws, I have concerns at the quarterback spot for the D.C. defenders. So I have them at number four, and then I have the Wildcats. I wanted to put the defenders at five, but I didn't want to overreact, so I'm leaving the Wildcats at five because the running game is a concern and the defense is a concern. If they can show me they can score 41 while allowing 15, 17 points, I'm all for it. I'll, I'll bump them up to three. But I have concerns. Vipers at six because they've shown both sides of the football, but I still think they are better long-term than the Renegades at seven. The Renegades are a disaster right now. Hal has a broken leg. Landry Jones, who knows how long he'll be out. I way too many question marks there in Dallas. And then the Dragons at 8. The Dragons will not be good the rest of the season. I have seen zero things out of that team for the entire season to believe in. 
except a decent defense. But everything else is an absolute disaster. But now that you know my power rankings and a couple of reasons why, I can give you my picks. So then you might understand those picks a little bit more. The Houston Roughnecks versus the New York Guardians. Yep, I'm going to blow your minds. The Guardians will upset the Roughnecks. The Dragons gave uh, P.J. Walker a couple problems here and there. Uh, if the Dragons can do that, I think the Guardians can do that. And the Guardians can do it for four quarters. And the Roughnecks will be on the road. Upset. New York over Houston. The Battle Hawks will be in Tampa Bay. And in Tampa Bay, I'm going to take the Battle Hawks for a big bounce back game. Renegades versus the Defenders. It's in D.C. D.C. wins. L.A. Wildcats versus the Dragons. It might be in Seattle. No chance. No chance Seattle's got that. L.A. wins that all day. Looking for my first 4-0 weekend. I don't think I've done it yet. I have to go back and look and see what my record is. I have to let you guys know that. I want to, I want to know that. I think I've been wanting to do that for a while. I just haven't quite gotten around to it, if you know what I mean. Kind of kind of slacking on the um, the overalls. I'm going to start putting those in my blog posts as well. So make sure you go to onoutthefield.com. You can look at my entire XFL recap blog. that has all the information you can ever need in it. Then you can listen to the podcast from there and subscribe to all these different platforms. It's, uh, it's great stuff. You really, really need to uh, be hanging out on that website. That is week five of the XFL in a nutshell, though, for you. 42 minutes of solid XFL talk. If you listen to this podcast and you listen all the way through it, um, you're going to be the smartest person at the water cooler talking XFL. I'll tell you what. You're going to be like, I listen on off the field, and that dude knows what he's talking about, and I listen to it, and let me tell you why this team's good and this team's bad, because he told me all about it. But the NFL has been pretty active, I think, since the last time we've talked. I don't have Durf here to tell me if I've missed something or if this happened and we didn't talk about it last week, stuff like that, but I'm going to try and remember all of it. So first off, there was a big guy, big fat guy trade. The Carolina Panthers, are, are they have traded. I guess they can't until the free agency period starts, but they're going to trade their guard Trey Turner to the Chargers for offensive tackle Russell Okung. Fat guy trade. Um... <laughs> I'm not entirely sure um, what you're getting out of it. Apparently, they like Okung. They want some outside protection a little bit more. Maybe they want to. Okung used to play for the Seahawks. He was a solid run blocker, and they want to use CMC more, Christian McCaffrey. So maybe they're building more around for the run game, get rid of the guard. They're not trying to run inside zone as much. <laughs> maybe that's their plan going forward. God bless them. That's the only thing I could possibly think is there's no draft picks coming with this. It's just a fat guy trade. One goes out east, one's coming back west. <laughs> that's uh, that's the whole deal. Melvin Gordon will be testing free agency again. And that resulted in Austin Eckler getting paid. Four-year deal. I think it was about $15 million guaranteed for Austin Eckler to stay with the Chargers. Solid guy. And if Melvin Gordon moves tell you what here's your first fantasy football advice for next season draft austin eckler (laughs) 
Guy's a monster. Running, catching, everything. I, I love Eckler. I've been watching him closely for a while, and he just he never lets you down. At least in fantasy, I try to get him every single year. And he finally got paid for his hard work, and Melvin Gordon will... Someone will probably pay him. I don't know. I haven't. I, I've never been impressed with him. He, he. I feel like he has the potential, but I guess unless he gets somewhere where he loves to be, it's just a matter of him putting the work ethic into it, because that's the part that I haven't seen, and it, I have a lot of question marks about that. So if he gets with a team where he loves being there, loves his teammates, loves the coach, maybe he he can play. 16 maybe 17 games and um and actually look like a starter so um another person that's going to be in free agency is jason peters of the philadelphia eagles offensive lineman 11 years of the organization will be uh in the free agent pool started with the buffalo bills went to the eagles and became a staple of that team great leader great blocker Nine-time Pro Bowler. I mean, whatever Pro Bowls mean these days. But obviously he's a very good talent and some team will pay him. He's definitely up there in age. But, hey, um, I don't know about Hall of Famer. But if you want to talk O-lineman, I don't know all of his stats right off the top of my head. But Hall of Fame offensive lineman don't come around too often. He sure looks like one. So... Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is uh, is going to cost the team a first-round pick if they want him. The New Orleans Saints have placed a first-round tender on Taysom Hill. So, basically, if a team wants to sign Taysom Hill in the offseason, in free agency, they're going to have to sacrifice their first-round pick, uh, and the Saints will get that first-round pick for him. And they just take, you know, take wherever they are in that spot. Um, that's that's a hefty price for this guy. I'm sorry if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, I look at Taysom Hill and I go, that's that's not worth it. Taysom's gonna want to be paid, so I don't even know where he's where he's gonna go. Where a team's gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna give you starter quarterback money. His best bet, stay in the stay, stay in New Orleans, hang out with Drew Brees. Maybe win a Super Bowl next year when Drew Brees comes back. You know, he's still got. Yeah. I just don't. I don't understand what all the hype is about Taysom. He's a great gadget guy, but what he wants and what teams are going to give him are two very different things. And I don't think any any team's going to give up a first round pick for Taysom Hill. That is my humble opinion. You know him. You love him. Gardner Minshew, the Jockstrap King. I saw this and just, I had to post it, and now I have to talk about it. Pro Football Focus, PFF, highest graded rookie quarterback of 2019 was Gardner Minshew, the Josh Shap King. And uh, that that means <laughs> Gardner Minshew is without a doubt the best quarterback ever taken in the sixth round. And I got... Man, people were upset with me. I just posted this as a joke. You know, obviously Tom Brady was selected in the sixth round. But people got mad. They're like, wait, what about Tom Brady? Are you kidding me? And, you know, 
insert the picture of that where the like the joke going over the guy's head right there. Like, come on, guys. Obviously, it's a joke. But Gardner Minshew, highest-rated rookie passer in 2019. I, I love it. Great. He he did play well. He played not well in some games. He played outstanding in some games. Played a lot of middle of the road ball. But he didn't get to start the whole season. I would have loved it if they just handed him the reins this season. They said, you know, we saw what we liked out. We liked what we saw out of you. We're gonna get rid of Nick Foles. We'll take the cash. Like, we're gonna take the salary cap hit and go out there and ball for us, man. What do you got to lose? That team is in 100% rebuild mode. Let the jockstrap king have the reins and let's go to work with him. That's that's what I want. That's all. I mean, that's what this show wants. So another um, free agent pickup actually that occurred was Josh Norman is going to go to the Bills on a one-year six million dollar uh, deal with a, a possibility to get eight million dollars in incentives for the season. I don't know. I mean, you can't sit here and pretend like, yeah, the Bills just picked up Josh Norman with Trey White on the other side and Poyer in the middle of the field. This is this this secondary is unbeatable. Josh Norman's 32. He had what one really good season, two seasons that got him paid, and then since then he's been he's been burnt toast. He might as well be on the Philadelphia Eagles. Boom, roasted. This is a very expensive kind of prove-it deal. I, I don't even know if it's a prove-it deal. It seems kind of like a one-year come in here and compete, you know, bring some veteran experience. I, I don't know. I don't even know if he's going to make the roster. Who knows? He is. He's not played well ever since he got paid. Ever since he was in re- with Washington, every game, he what, gets one interception, two interceptions a season these days. Not a shutdown corner anymore like he was. So, Bills fans, let's rein it in a little bit. <sighs> we'll move on to retirement news real quick. Marshall Yonda, 13 seasons with the Ravens. Hanging up the cleats. If you want to talk about a guaranteed Hall of Fame lineman right here. Eight Pro Poles, two first team All-Pro, five second team All-Pro. This guy has been a lockdown lineman for for as long as I can remember, thirteen seasons. I mean, I, I just hear Marshall Yonda. I'm like Ravens, great lineman. Yes, sir. I would love to have him on the Seahawks. And it 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 raises a question about now. There's a hole in the line, you know, with with the hard hard running game of the Ravens that they have now with Lamar, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards. That, that's a big. Those are big shoes to fill. I that's going to be an issue in my eyes. It might not. Sure, it's a, they can go out and draft an offensive lineman in the first round, get a great talent to fill that hole. But Marshall Yonda, that's a hard spot to fill with just some rookie or any free agent. That's uh, uh, that's going to be a storyline to to look into once the season gets here. One little fun piece here with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. The saga continues. Dak Prescott has turned down $33 million a season. $105 million. Guaranteed money. He turned down 
one of the richest contracts that we have. Russell Wilson makes 35, Big Ben at 34. He turned it down. That means he wants more than Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Who does this guy think he is? I mean, it it straight up comes down to you haven't won a Super Bowl. You've won one playoff game and you want Super Bowl winning quarterback money. No. No. They offered even 33 with 105 guaranteed. No, I wouldn't even have offered that to him. I would have offered him 28 to 30. Don't like it. No. Here's my prediction. This is what will happen. I'm going to go with, he gets tagged. The Cowboys are not going to let him walk this season. He, he can be tagged. He will be tagged because they're not going to pay him any more than 33. He will be tagged. He will play this season. It'll be an off season. I don't think he'll play as well as he did last year. That's why he's looking to get paid now because he played super well this last season. He wants that money because he doesn't buy into himself. So next season will be a worse season than he played this year, and then he'll walk. The Cowboys will kick him to the street, and he'll be playing for a new team once the 2021-2022 season comes. You can write that down. You can you can cash that check now. It will happen. At least that's at least that's my prediction. That that's kind of what I'm calling. But news I broke today is uh, 2K is back. If you play Madden and hate Madden, that's okay because 2K is on its way back. I used to play the old 2K, the one with Terrell Owens on the front, which is a classic. And then I also one of my first. Uh, I believe, was that 2K that had um, Sean Alexander on the front? No, that was Madden. I did. I had the TO one. That was my 2K game. That was a fun game. You like had your crib in there. If you don't remember uh, 2K, if you used to play these games, you know it. You used to have like this cool crib. Carmen Electra was like the the like the woman in the game. They did all the talking. Um, you had to play like paper football. There was jukebox or something. It was awesome. 2K was dope. It was like Grand Theft Auto gangster football game. I'm just trying to remember this stuff off of memory. All I remember is Carmen Electra, paper football, cool crib, do all these cool things. That's, <laughs> that's basically um, what I remember um, <laughs> from the game. But yeah, I remember Sean Alexander, but that was that was a Madden game, I believe. That was the first Madden game I ever played. T.O. was the first 2K. Sean Alexander was the first Madden game. But uh, let me drop some off-the-field news for you here at the end of the show. Andrew Whitworth of the Rams. Andrew Whitworth has his own foundation, the Big Wit 77. Um, its mission is to impact the lives of youth and families in his home state of Louisiana, one of the foundation's programs, Wits Warriors, offers financial assistance to high school seniors in Louisiana. The program is awarded $400,000 in scholarships and school supplies. He has another program of it called uh, Open Arms, which is one of the only programs in the state of Louisiana that offers financial assistance to families for the process of, of adoption. He launched Open Arms with the with the belief that families who have the desire to adopt are not turned away due to the overwhelming costs of adoption. 
The most recent program developed by the Big Wit 77 Foundation is the annual wish list event that pairs local college athletes from ULM and Louisiana Tech with local families for fellowship and fun during the Christmas season. So go ahead and look up the Big Wit 77 Foundation. Uh, if you're looking, if you're in the Louisiana area, maybe, or if you're just a Rams fan, you're an Andrew Whitworth fan, you know, there's your learn about uh, the man in the helmet moment right there, Andrew Whitworth. So thanks for listening to Just Dylan on On and Off the Field this week while Durf was out. Durf will be back next week. I sure hope so. Hopefully I will not be sick. Surprised I got through this whole episode. We, we powered through for you. So hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, send us an email. Go to onoffthefield.com, send that email. Leave some comments, message the show on social media. We just want to hear from you. We want to know your opinions. We want to know your feedback on the show, on the blogs, everything. This is for you guys. This show is not about us getting famous or the money or nothing. It's, a, it's about talking football with people. So, hope you all have a great rest of your week. Stay safe out there from the coronavirus. I don't think I have that. I'm pretty sure it's just like a sinus infection. But, I hope you all stay safe. You have a blessed week. I will see you next Tuesday on On Off the Field. And as always, the highest graded PFF quarter, rookie quarterback from last season. All hail the jockstrap king.